0: Hi, everybody. I'm Wendy Murdock, and this is Webinars with Wendy. I've been doing a series of webinars during the pandemic, and I started out so that I could visit with my friends, learn a little bit, and have a good time. I had no idea that this was going to turn into a thing, and um, it's been quite a thing. I've had so many really interesting guests over the past several months, but today is my 100th webinar. Can you believe that? And so, for my 100th, I wanted to invite my very special friend and guest, Linda Tillington Jones. Um, she's been so instrumental in my life. In fact, um, it was it was such. Uh, I have to credit you Linda with actually changing my life in so many ways that I can't even begin to count Um, It's the reason I'm doing what I'm doing. It's the reason that I'm here doing webinars It's the reason I'm a Feldenkrais practitioner and I'm just so grateful to having you in my life So thank you so much. And thank you for joining me today
1: And it's such a joy Such a joy to observe your journey and what you've done with your life Wendy, and I remember my first memory of you was uh, you walking in the back door, and we were already in a, a workshop, and there you were, and that's what... Within the eighties, right?
0: It was 1985. It was at Ellie Jensen's. I believe it was October, because I was a grad student at University of Kentucky, and I and I left for the weekend. In fact, it was um, October fourth, because October third was the anniversary of my accident, which was a Saturday, and. Um, The clinic actually got moved forward to that weekend. It was supposed to be the following weekend. So I went to a horse show with my horse on the 3rd of October. And then I got in my car and I drove all day up to Wisconsin and walked into Ellie Jensen's back door to see you there on the couch with Falcon River. Um, So that was October 4th, 1985.
1: Yeah. And Falcon River, I remember, had saved me because I had been on like a a six-week tour around Europe like every day another place working or traveling to the next place and I was in complete wipeout and she said here take this and she gave me a few drops of walnut and it's like the lights went on was amazing Wendy and it was a it was you know a big clinic i can't remember which one that was it was was a big clinic it was um
0: there were quite a few people i i can't remember everybody's name it's kind of a little bit of a blur now for me it was this like whirlwind thing but i do remember um you know i was a scientist at the time i was getting uh my master's degree and And um, here you were talking about things like, you know, energy and crystals and homeopathics and, and, you know, like all this stuff and kinesiology and, or, um, you know, muscle testing. And I was fascinated. I remember I was fascinated and I remember there was another person there who was not fascinated and she left, she left the clinic. I can't remember (laughs) who that was. So, you know, some things are attracting and other things are repelling. And for me it was very attractive. Um, And I, I ultimately went back to the university, University of Kentucky, and um, I was, uh, I told my friend that I was going to become a team practitioner, and she looked at me like, yeah, 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 and, um, and I did. I became a team practitioner. I quit my graduate degree. I was going to get a doctoral degree in biomechanics of horses, um, and I looked around at the At the building which was cement walls and I was like do I want to spend the rest of my life doing research behind cement walls or do I want to do something more applied out in the world and so it was an easy choice. Wow
1: and look what you have now with Surefoot because it really is revolutionary.
0: Thank you Linda really appreciate that. I'm
1: so excited I'm so excited and I have seen such miracles with it i mean we have to I, I actually there's one that i want to tell you about um i just finished a riding clinic in southern germany and we were hanging out a few of us uh, were hanging out after and a young woman came into the arena and, and we were finished so she wanted to know if she could ride and yes and and she asked me what i was doing and i had the surefoot pads there and she was riding a 19 year old um mare and she said that she was very, um, she was arthritic and stiff, and she was quite u-necked, and, um, and she really wasn't, had no, no enthusiasm. And so I said, well, you, would you like to put her on the path?" And she just, the mare very happily, just just put one foot after the other without, I mean, really just, oh, yeah, you pad, okay, and put her feet on them. And she stood there. And we talked and talked, and she stood there. And we kept talking, and she just stood there. And I, I just leave them on as long as they want to be. And after maybe five minutes, and, and, the, and the rider was sitting on her back, on her back After about five minutes, the mare looked around, stepped off, and had a completely different way of moving. She was soft and supple and no more you neck. Wow. Just this lovely movement through her whole body. And, like, I've seen a lot with him, but I'll always remember that mirror. Yeah, that's on, a story. That five minutes.
0: Yeah. I, I remember you telling me that when that happened, and it, and it's a story that's been uh, – very because it was a halflinger, and it was It was a well, halflinger, know. right. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it was a I halflinger. Mean, you know yeah. And, you know, Linda, the, the whole idea behind Surefoot is so based in the – in the Feldenkrais work and the Tellington Touch work, because it's so much about observation and uh, giving horses a voice. And I, and I really feel so strongly that when I started doing Surefoot, it took me back to my roots of team and and obviously Feldenkrais. Um, can you talk a little bit about how that, how that is, that why is it that giving them choices makes such a
1: difference? I don't know, but it, it makes me uh, cry in a way because, um, you know, uh, at Equitana, I think it was what now has it been like nine years ago? I they had a really big celebration. Were you there for my fortieth year celebration? Yeah, I was actually. Yeah. I mean, it was a really big party, and um, and so my godson Christian Krober, who is the son of the um, founder. Wolf Crubber, the founder of Equitana, said, okay, Linda, so you've had your, you know, 40 years, you brought this idea of liberty ring riding, riding a horse with nothing on the head, just this ring around the neck. So what are you going to do for your next 20 years? And I said, it's my, it's my vision to um, raise awareness so that people see the Being see the personality of their horse, and this is true. we have dog people here, same with your dog, that they see the being and this concept of really um, you know when when we put our hands on our horse, put put your heart in your hand and your hand on your animal, and connect at the heart, the cell, and the soul level and that 's Wendy. Oh my gosh! You know what you've seen and what I've seen in horses and and dogs, and now that I'm so glad that you're bringing Surefoot into the dog world. Oh, thanks! Because the way it's been done has been forced, and what you're the concept with Surefoot is to give an animal a voice, and give them a chance uh, to try something, and then just be there. And the first time I was with you when I saw this horse standing on the two pads and if you've never seen this just swaying this much and then when I got to sit on a horse yeah. I mean it feels like they're going to fall over. Wait a minute what is that rhythm? We we don't get to see this because we are always asking horses or dogs to do something and not not just listening. So I think your Surefoot pad gives us an opportunity to listen in a new way. Yeah,
0: Yeah, and that's the, you know, the one thing that I I hope people are understanding is that it's really that we're the facilitator of the process and that the horses get to choose how long, which foot they want to give us. You know, it's so often you walk up to a horse and they're, and we're so used to taking their foot and saying, I need this foot, I got to clean it, or I got to do something, to or put a boot on it, you know, and we're always taking their feet, but, you know, with Surefoot, we're asking, and sometimes they say they don't want to pick up that foot, and so it's just a question of going and finding, because they know what we're asking, especially any horse that's ever had his feet picked up knows what we're asking, and that's just a question of finding, well, which foot would you like to give to me, and, and I, and that's, it's so sometimes difficult to get people to realize that it's not about the foot on the pad it's really about the whole observation of when i ask for that foot does he pick it up does he bend at the knee maybe he only bends at the elbow and maybe he pushes the leg forward or pulls it back and all those are really important clues as to the the story of this horse if you will you know what is this horse <laughs> saying to me when i go to pick up their foot and so it's you know it's, and you understand what I'm talking about because you've done leg work for a million years. Um, right. But the, there's such a quality. You can feel so much in just picking up a foot and know a lot about the horse in that quality.
1: Yeah, the level of mental, physical, and emotional balance that can come from, from changing the balance on Surefoot is amazing. I, do you remember that 17 hand warm blood that was at uh, Great Strides the last time I, you, you came in on a Sunday. I and did. And it took you an hour being just with that horse. He was a four-year-old. Uh, and the thing that was so interesting is that he always stood laterally. Every time you'd walk him up, and he would stop laterally. And I really pay attention to that. And he was, as you can imagine, uncoordinated as a 17-hand four-year-old. It means he doesn't have the neural connections to the ground. They're not grounded. And do you remember all what it took for you just being with him? Can you just, do you remember it? I, I don't came,
0: remember it enough, enough to say, it sounds like you remember it a lot better than I do. I remember working with that horse, and I remember, because I was teaching other people at the time, so my, right. my attention was a little divided
1: yeah but that what was interesting, Wendy, about it is the time it was really important in a way for that horse that you were teaching, so you weren't just not, not that you focus on the horse anyway, but you you give the you gave the horse time as you do, but it was maybe even more time in a way, and at the end of approximately an hour of explaining teaching but being with this horse um, and he had been on and off the pads a number of times what happened after that one hour he stood squarely or diagonally no more lateral now if you think what that means for that horse's mind not just the body but talk about biomechanics and you know <laughs> you could do, you could do your
0: phd on And and that's the thing is that, you know, what I've, what I've come to understand with Surefoot is that you're, if they're out of physical balance, they're out of mental and emotional balance, that you can't separate those balances, they all relate to each other. And when we address the physical balance, because, you know, and this takes us back to the Feldenkrais method, where Dr. Feldenkrais understood that when he laid us down on the floor to do awareness through movement, we were minimizing gravity, but we can't lay a horse down. They're always, you know, they lay down occasionally, but we're almost always interacting with them in a standing posture. And so they're designed to be in a standing posture. Um, and so this whole thing about gravity and standing and how they balance is so critical to their mental and emotional state because it's, you can't separate that.
1: And one thing that I think you've really at least I hear very little of is this concept of a horse being grounded. You know you talk about their they're their flight animals they 're all about fear um, and and the fact is that when a horse isn 't I see them when they 're fearful they 're not in their body, which means they 're not grounded, and the surefoot gives them the opportunity to ground and i 'd like to talk about two horses oh great with surefoot. <laughs> um, one, well, we have to tell everybody about <laughs> that first <laughs> we, time.
0: Um, while you're talking, I'm going to go find his picture, okay? I have it here.
1: Oh, great. Okay. Yeah. Should, should I start telling them?
0: Yeah, you start telling because it take me a second here to find his picture.
1: Okay. Just one second. I'll say, hey, Roland? Roland? Yeah. Will you please turn my phone off? <laughs> turn my phone off. I did. Oh, thank you. <laughs> so you all listen, so I went to visit uh Wendy because i as you said the other day I'd been doing a book signing somewhere there in um, Maryland. It was for my big book, my big orange book um and um and so Wendy was in the area, and I wanted to see what she was doing so Pam Willie, and pam uh, uh won beer, and I went to see her and we're standing on the outside of the grill of the of the of the arena and uh, just, I mean, I, I was so impressed. I, just the way these horses came into themselves, into their body, just from minutes of being on the sure foot. And, and, and I, that's the first time I've ever seen this weaving thing where they just, I mean, literally rock that much back and forth. That's how much the rider moves when you feel it when you're up and talking. So it was really fascinating. We'd seen several horses. And then Wendy asked the tr- one of the trainers who was there. It
0: was the barn owner, actually. Yeah.
1: Oh, the barn owner. Yep. If she had an interesting horse, right? Yes. And so she described this horse, which I, I was kind of really sad about, about this horse that was mentally retarded, basically. That's what she said. It was a six-year-old thoroughbred, I think. Yeah. Or it might have been a warm-blood. I don't remember. It was a thoroughbred. But, um, and a,
0: he was a show jumper. Had been a show jumper.
1: Yep but they had they were really talking badly about him and they brought like he was a slow learner retarded i think is that what you said she used the word retarded.
0: i remember they called him add yeah. so
1: she brings them out and wendy put them on the pad what say it uh, again
0: uh i said he was ad they said he was add did you hear that
1: oh add oh i didn't yes. yeah I, I, had, I, so anyway, and I, I, I'm, I'm really sad when somebody stands there and talks about a horse in front of them because they know what we're talking about and they know that we're seeing them in a different way. And so I was, I was like, hmm, you know, like feeling for the horse. And, um, so Wendy puts him on the pad and he's very happy to stand on there, you, I, I, I don't know, very short time. And then bam, I mean, the horse didn't lay down i have a picture (laughs) the whole body oh you have a picture there he is sideways
0: yep he just he just landed on the ground and just and laid there and i looked at linda and i was Looking at her because I thought I'd killed my first horse with Surefoot, but Linda wasn't reacting. I kept looking over. She was to my left, and I kept looking over and then looking back at the horse and looking over and back at the horse. And Linda was say, oh, he's breathing. And so, I was, yes, he was breathing. <laughs> um, but I was so panicked at that moment because there were 20 people there and there was you know two another horse in the arena under saddle and You know all these people watching and here's this horse just laying there Um, and he he looked asleep basically right Linda
1: Yeah, the, the thing is I've seen horses do this, you know um, and and when something occurs that that he just fell over they don't move. They go into this free thing. I saw it, the first time I ever saw it was at the Olympics in Mexico in 1968. On, in the, um, on the cross country, it was unbelievable because there was so much rain and there was this huge, there was, they, they, they couldn't stop the event in the middle of it. And in one, there was a ditch, like it was a, probably a six foot wide ditch, easily six feet deep. And then, um, and then a fence on the other side. They had like two feet to land and jump, but everything was underwater, and the horses couldn't see where the edge was. And the riders just rolled into it, and this horse fell over, and 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 fell 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 and, and was laying there. And the vet, the head vet from uh, the Delaware Equine Vet Center, was there holding his head up because when a horse falls over like that. They're gone, they're unconscious. It's so interesting. And they, if they hadn't held his head under, he would have drowned. As wow. it turned out, the horse was fine. He got up and he, and he went on. But I, that's the first time I thought, and the next time I saw this <laughs> happen, that's why I wasn't surprised. I was at the Virginia 100-mile and three-day endurance, uh, you know, com- competitive trail ride, and I was riding a, a Hungarian stallion. It was the first time away from home. <laughs> We'd hauled from California to, you know, the, to Virginia. I think that's where it was, right? And, um, and so we're practicing a couple of days before, and he's like trumpet. As I go to get in the saddle, he's trumpeting at another horse. And I just, as I started to mount, I just took the rein on the opposite side and just pulled him over on the side. Bam, flat. And wow. as soon as he hit the ground, he just lay there. And I just stood there and let him lay there. He thought I was really powerful. Didn't move, I didn't say anything, just let him lay there. After a while I got him up. He was perfect the entire ride. Never looked at another horse to trumpet again during the whole ride. (laughs) So that's why I wasn't surprised that your horse is breathing normally. Yeah. It took him quite a while. Well, to and, there.
0: and we talked about this a little bit ago. I think what he did was he fainted. You know, that's the, yeah, I, I think that's crazy. the best thing. And that's part of the fight yeah. and flight reflex that you've got fight, flight, freeze, faint and fool around. Yeah. And, exactly. but it, it's not often that you see a horse faint. I mean, no. it was the first time. Yeah. They usually
1: see. go down. They usually fold their legs. Like when you saddle them and do up the girth, I have, I've, I've certainly heard numerous times of that happening when the horse just folds but they don't fall over Fall over And he got up just so that you
0: know he got up and he was totally fine and we put him back in the barn and everything was fine um but it certainly did give me a huge fright and it's only ever happened that one time and of course it was when linda was there but maybe that was a good thing because you kept me from i remember what you actually said to me you said well so wendy what's the most interesting thing you've seen happen with surefoot and i was like besides killing a horse (laughs)
1: right but, but i you know, ch- the thing i with that i mean that's where i would have loved to say you know what how you can change this do some t touch on this horse do some coil pythons on the legs connect him to the ground you know give him a sense of himself yeah. so anyway it is really fun it was fun.
0: But the story that I told you, which is also, I don't think I've ever had another horse do this um, when you said what was the most interesting, was that very early on, there was a warm blood. He was 19 years old, and this was in Colorado. And I, uh, he was trailered over to a friend's house where there was an arena. And the owner brought him out of the, the trailer and went to just move him a little bit. And he looked absolutely crippled. He was so stiff. And she's watching him move and thinking she would have to retire him. And so we started with the pads and after just a couple of minutes, he lifted his head and he took the lead out of her hand and he took off down the driveway at a flat out run. And we're like, oh no, he's gonna run all the way home. Right, he gets to the bottom of the driveway, turns around and runs back up to us and stops. And so um, the owner picked up the lead and we went inside the fenced field to the arena that had no fence and we continued working with him. And after another 20 minutes or so, I said to her, I said, you're gonna have to turn him loose and see what happens because he's in a fenced field now. So she did, and he ran like a racehorse to the corner. Well, the thing that was so interesting is wow. that they'd never seen this horse run. He'd only ever crow hopped and bucked when he was turned loose in the past. He'd never been able to run. Okay. And then he would go up the fence line and then did that several times, just cantering up and down the fence line. And then there was a slope, and he would run up the slope and then he did an extended trot down the hill repeatedly, like oh. multiple oh, my times. Gosh it was so I mean,
1: think crazy he said, flying everything you know i mean feeling himself yeah in a completely completely different way. different
0: way and it was stunning i mean i was there with another two the owner and another person so there was witness we didn't video it of course not but it was it was so stunning to see this horse that was apparently you know gonna have to be retired and and so, you know, the, the the moral of this story is I've seen everything from horses falling over, fainting, and running like racehorses when they never could, and then there's everything in between with Surefoot, and and that's kind of the thing that keeps me so interested is I I just never know what's going to happen, you know. Mostly mostly they're in the bell curve in the middle, but there are these other things that can happen.
1: Well, and the, uh, the what, a case, a, a horse in Germany I was working with, he's this beautiful golden palomino that was a gift from the King of Morocco to Gabriel Boisel. Spectacular. He's in a, a couple of my books. And um, so um, I thought, wow, it'd be really interesting. Very nice horse to handle. And we could not get him to put one foot on one surefoot pant. And it was really interesting. I'd never seen it before, you know, just offering this to him. No way. And it was later, the horse died actually. Um, I, it was quite a few months later, but it turned out he, I can't remember what he had now, but some rare neurological thing that the horse had. And I wow. thought, hmm, that was interesting. Something was a disconnect. You know, he could not put his feet, not one foot. Wow.
0: That's really interesting. And I, and I do tell people, you know, like I can't diagnose, but occasionally I've picked up horses that I'm like, you know, I think you need to have a neurological test on this horse because they can't do it. They don't want to do it. They're not, you know, and, and I had one horse where the horse loved Surefoot and then he got injured. And after he got injured, he had a fall. And then he became neurologic and he could not do the pads, would not do the pads. But what was so interesting is that as he was recovering, we could see his improvement because suddenly he wanted to stand on sure foot again. So, you know, it's really important to, to make that offer to the horse, even if they refuse, because things can change. And in his case, we were able to use it as a way to measure his neurological improvement that you know, he would like it. And then he, something happened and he didn't like it again. Like it being that he wouldn't want to stand on them. You know, like is kind of a funny word. It's a very human word, but he wouldn't want to stand on them. And so, you know, I have people that say, well, it," you know, my horse didn't like it. Well, what are you really saying? You're saying that your horse couldn't or wouldn't. And so we need to kind of reframe that and say, well, maybe that's showing us something else. Maybe that's what we're here to learn is that there's a, something else going on that we don't totally understand right now, but we need to pay attention.
1: yeah oh. and and it's it's interesting. Somebody just your, Robin your just joined us. Nose. Hi, Robin. <laughs> yeah, your your screen is freezing today. Oh, um, yeah
0: we had we've had a lot of rain, and ever since uh, that lightning strike that knocked out Jillian Krimbing's webinar, it's been a little bit spotty. Um, uh-huh. So if I lose it, just keep talking.
1: <laughs> okay, we will. So I'm. I'm wondering. Um, you know, the the thing is this 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 judgment that people make of horses. Well, he didn't like it, like as though. And and the and the fact is, wait a minute. He's what's going on? You know, is he not understanding it? Is he afraid of it? And and. I think it is a conscious choice at that point, or he doesn't know how to handle it. But giving him a chance, one of the, one of the things that was happening um, in Europe for people who don't know enough about it is that they were using clicker training to click the horses to, to get on it. And my understanding, that's not your interest. Mm-mm. Your interest is the exploration of the horse. Yeah, because, you talk about
0: that? Yeah, because if, you're, if you're clicker training, there's a goal. The horse is trying to figure out what it is that you want. And my question is always, what does the horse want? And so it flips it around completely. I mean, in a way, the horses start to clicker me because I'll put them on a pad and then they'll kick it to the back foot. And then I'm like, oh, you want it on the back foot or they walk off so oh you want to go for a walk or you know how about this different density oh yeah that's great but that one's not so great so in a way they clicker me to teach me what they like and they're very good at it once we give them the opportunity to show us and i I think that that's
1: and and you don't mean literally clicker you they're they're giving you the opportunity to learn right
0: right but it's the signal like i'm taking the signal from them so i'm being shown In other words, it's the reverse.
1: Yeah, and then someone's just writing in the panel, you know, the the same as giving treats, right? Well, that is the same. I mean, it's rewarding for doing what you're asking to do rather than giving them an opportunity to have an experience. And that's what you did with that 17-hand four-year-old who was so... I mean, the, the most lateral horse of, I can only remember one other horse in all the horses over the years. That was, every time he'd stop, he'd stand laterally. And, and that changed in one hour. Yeah. Now that, I don't think that would have been the same at all if he hadn't gone through the process of the exploration that you allowed him. Exactly. Exactly.
0: And so, you know, like, well, people will ask me, should you make them stand square before you use the pads? And I'm like, no. Or, you know, should, you know, should and it's like, this is, I always say to people that every, every way they stop or stand is another environment. It's another possibility. It's going to happen. So can we help them feel more grounded or more secure in whatever stance they choose? And what's really interesting is if we just go with them, we'll see that balance change just like this horse and they become square, not because I did anything to make them square, but with the awareness that they gain through the standing on the surefoot pads, they have a new sense of themselves. It changes the proprioception and then they find that the standing square is a better stance for them. It's a better balance. Not that I've ever insisted on that in any way. It's just saying, and I've seen horses stand on pads in ways that you would think, would be so uncomfortable like with legs in four different directions and yet they're quiet
1: and you know the one thing i'm thinking about uh in the in in the stallion the um in germany is i wonder if that horse had a dislocation of the hyoid mm you know when we think about proprioception and the fact that he did not feel comfortable where his feet were interesting because he wasn't really readable yeah and you know the whole vagal nerve
0: connection we're really starting to understand this now the the connection between heart math, there's going to be a, um, uh, he's going to be the keynote speaker at the Feldenkrais uh, summit, this symposium, right? You've got heart math, you've got the vagal nerve and, and in the hyoid area, you've got the trigeminal and Catherine Wyckoff is actually uh, preparing a fabulous webinar that we're going to do on this connection of the vagal nerve, uh, near the trigeminal and how that's going to relate. Because the more we start to understand that, the more we realize this is all, Addressing s- similar ideas, the proprioception and the whole vagal system for parasympathetic.
1: Well, wow. and what's that going to do to how we figure out a different type of bridle to put on a horse? Right. Right. I had With Dr. The Clayton the other hearing.
0: day. Yeah, and and we talked about the 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 different bridles that everybody's looking at, and, and at this point, it seems like the miclam is perhaps the best at this point, because they're trying different things. But we always have to remember that there's um, one of the things that Dr. Clayton showed was that the the crossover bitless bridles actually have higher pressures than nose bands. Because once they cross under and tighten, they don't untighten. And so the actual pressure oh, incredible. Yeah. Right. Um, but so Absolutely. many people think it's going terrible. bitless is kind and it really depends on what kind of bitless. So that's why I still use my Lindell that I have since 1985.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you have one of the original ones. I do. Yeah, that's such a great job of having beautiful ones made. I remember the first one that Jane Fonda wanted to give one to have one for her horses and you know they were so the ones we were having made at those time, that time they were so we couldn't find a good leather person. And finally, Robin's got a really good source for them. Which, yeah. thank heaven, is all I can But say. it's such a great but
0: piece of equipment because it can't tighten, and yet you have the lateral control. And it's, it's fabulous. Exactly. You know?
1: So well, we do I have a have, question. Oh, yeah, OK. Go okay. ahead. Well, I just have a question. So with these horses that obviously have uh, so much difficulty, like the 17-hand four-year-old, Um. One of the things that he had missed was coiled pythons on his legs and leg circles. And I'm just wondering with these horses, when you see that they have a, a difficulty, if you bring a new um, perception of the horse, a new, a new connection from neural, neural pathways to the to help them to be grounded, it seems to me that you would see that reflected in, how they experience the surefoot.
0: Absolutely and this is where I think that surefoot and the and the team and t-touch are so synergistic because there's there's so many ways that we can combine it with the touches with the python lifts with the leg circles and with the pads that it you know, like when I started this, it was so obvious to me that this is coming from the same root as what you're doing because I learned from you, but the, and also the Feldenkrais roots of exploration and opportunity as opposed to um, having a preset, yeah. preconceived notion.
1: Uh, right. So I, I wonder I, um, if some of the people here have had experiences of, with the surefoot to share.
0: Yeah, um, well, we do have a question from Mark Middleton. He's uh, worked with Linda on EPM horses and recently sent a client um, to me for teamwork, curious that Surefoot and EPM. So with EPM, we have a number of horses that once they're being treated um, is typically when you can start with Surefoot because if they're they're actively neurologic, a lot of those horses can't do it. Um, But we've seen a lot. And then Dr. Sherry Johnson, who's working with Melissa King at Colorado State, um, she actually went to Rudin Riddle in February and did a lecture in Wet Lab using Surefoot Pads for neurologic horses. So she has worked with a lot of neurologic horses using the Surefoot Pads, and I would highly recommend you watch her webinar. It was one of the early ones, or get in touch with her. Um, but you know, that's. Can we
1: have that, uh, uh, that source, that we can write it down. Maybe yep. I can write it in the.
0: I can put it in as Dr. The, Sherry Johnson at yeah. CSU
1: because I'd like to send that webinar to uh, Sylvia Tarasani. They're really interested in Italy. In in, I can in get Italy. you
0: the link to that webinar. It's one of the, you know, now it, it was like in the low numbers, um, to Dr. Johnson. I'm, I'm hoping to have her back for another webinar, but um, she's been doing a lot. And so, you know, the thing about neurologic courses is you really have to understand what you're dealing with. Um, and so it's really important to have that diagnosis to know and so that you're treating whatever the cause is um but that's the same and that and also combining it with you have a whole workbook on working with epm horses with the t-touches um so right it's another tool in the wrap okay. right and the wraps yep which are awesome yeah
1: yeah and
0: then you had another
1: and all horse. of the groundwork absolutely
0: yep that's why I love that little workbook because it has it has all of those in there um but it's such a nice fit to be able to go back and forth because the philosophy is the same and so can you talk a little bit about working with Dr. Feldenkrais I mean that was so long ago but
1: um. (laughs) absolutely I mean you know the it's so interesting I was um the first Feldenkrais uh lesson, awareness movement that I ever did was at Esalen Institute, where I was there for a week, uh, doing a workshop with Elena Rubenfeld in um, uh, Alexander and Psychosynthesis. And during uh, um, an evening, later, uh, and later in the day, she read a lesson. For, uh, uh, she read it. And at the time, as I found out, because I just wrote a a chapter for the latest Feldenkrais book that's coming out uh, this month, actually, from, I don't know, maybe a dozen different people who've taken the Feldenkrais method in a slightly different way. And one of the things that Moshe said in the very um, first year of our training was uh, that don't just follow what I do. Develop your own fingerprints. And that's um, so. Anyway, so we're at S1, and we were led through an exercise that's now it's one of the uh, the movements in the awareness movement book. And it was about an hour. And you're down on your hands and knees, and you bring one foot up in front of the other knee, and you hump your back like a cat. And you do this awareness movement for a week, uh, for, a, for an hour. And when I stood up. I could move my pelvis in a completely different way. Because, you know, as a rider, you're basically in those days before centered riding, before connected riding, before all the work that you've done with Feldenkrais, Wendy, with riders, you you basically, depending upon which discipline you were in, you had a position. So I got up and oh my, I always say I danced my ass off that night because they had dancing at Esalen that night and I could dance to rock and roll like I never had. And that really intrigued me. So two years later, I'm in Germany and my partner at the time, Roger Russell, who's one of the trainers of Feldenkrais now and and a a lifelong friend, Um, but um, he wanted to have something be able to teach the riders because I had been invited in Germany to start a new program based on my system of riding, have the balance seat riding that uh, Gabriel, uh, that um, Ursula Bruns had seen at our school. And um, so he wrote to Moshe in uh, Israel to see if he could go and study the Feldenkrais method in because of that experience that we had at Esalen in Israel. And it turned out, that it was only in hebrew <laughs> and that they were doing this um for it was at the time it was billed as a three-year training like three summers of 12 weeks in san francisco and roger got this brochure and i took one look at it and i thought i'm supposed to be in that class now it never crossed my mind that it was for me i thought wow because the feldenkrais training is it's known for helping athletes um, become, have more movement and dancers and musicians and um, people who've had accidents. <laughs> and um, I, you know, all of the people in the horse world who have fear, because that one of the things that my specialty was, is working with adults with fear because of accidents. So anyway, I enrolled thinking, I'm going to do this for my students. Having no idea it would change my life. (laughs) And in the second day of the training in San Francisco, there were 63 of us in the class. um, I was lying on the floor doing this awareness or movement lesson, and he made a statement that it's possible for a human to learn in one experience using non habitual, gentle movements to activate you. Neural pathways to the brain to give a human more potential for learning. Because we, you know, everybody thinks of the Feldenkrais work as just movement, but Dr. Feldenkrais, Moshe Feldenkrais' passion was learning, enhancement of learning. And so I remember lying here on the floor, and it's like I had this feeling my ears pricked up like a horse, and I thought, hmm, if this is true for a horse Uh, for a human why wouldn't it be true for a horse now you have to understand at that point that was 19 that that was 1975 and in 1965 my first husband and i went for a had published a book called um physical therapy for the athletic horse based on the massage that my grandfather had brought to us um from a russian gypsy massage horses and we've been very successful in um, in helping horses recover after endurance riding, um, steeple chasing, inventing all the stuff that we did with our horses. So never crossed my mind that you could, however, change behavior or enhance learning. And I went out that very afternoon and I worked with a a 16 year old mare, the uh, guy that I had just, I was looking at some horses uh, to buy from him. And um, he had just brought this mare down from Montana the month before. And she was a brood mare, Arabian brood mare, and <clears throat> couldn't, was hard to catch. I mean, every day you'd have to run around and catch her to bring her in to feed her. And so he caught her up somehow. And I just started doing exploration, like, Okay, we've been doing all this stuff with legs from our first book, but not from the point of view of allowing the horse to move the leg in a way that it couldn't. We were just doing. And instead, we just, I I just explored. That word, exploring. I did it with the ears, with the head, just exploring different ways of moving the horse. With no intention of just how can I move this horse in a way that is 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 not threatening, but gives activates new neural pathways to the brain to enhance learning. And it was interesting. I worked about half an hour. Uh, The people watching thought I had hypnotized the horse. (laughs) You know, and I went back that night and I didn't think anymore. And uh, the owner called me the next morning and said and something really strange happened. He had turned the horse out after I'd left. And when he went to catch her up, she's waiting at the gate. That was the first thing. What? And then when he led her into the stall, instead of diving for the hay in the corner, she just kind of stood there like, <laughs> 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 do something. <laughs> and I thought, wow, that's really interesting. And so all that summer... Uh, Roger and I would go out at, at, at least a couple of times a week and work on different horses because I was from that area, so I knew a lot of horse people. And uh, the way the labyrinth got started, huh, I was working on a polo horse. And this was at a stable in Woodside. And um, the the owner is a really top polo player. And he had this, I, I was looking for horses who had difficulty, you know, kind of, some kind of stuff, issues they couldn't deal with. And he said, well, huh, we've never been able to use this horse in our, in our school, even for, for students, for jumping, because this horse will not step over a pole, will not step over a line if you draw it in the sand. And, thought, well, it's kind of interesting. So we're standing out in the arena, and there, we just happened to be standing in front of a pole. And Roger was at the head. I don't remember what he was doing, but I was at the tail. And I was working this tail, just exploring movement of the tail and suddenly the horse dropped his head and stepped over the pole in front of him. Now we'd already drawn a line in the sand and you know, put a rope down and tried different things. And nah, that didn't want to move. Dropped the head and stepped over the pole. And that was the first connection. Wow, interesting. What the heck has the tail got to do with the, you know? I mean, what we know today with the, the activation of the parasympathetic and, and, and the cranial sacral work and all the stuff that we know today. We didn't know it then. But so we just, we had the poles there, the jump poles, and we started moving the horse like around these poles. And I had read some book, and I can't remember the name, it was a British book on horse psychology, something about introducing horses to new ideas. I can't remember what it was, but that's how the labyrinths came up that summer, just moving this horse at first around these poles.
0: Wow. You know, it, it's and, so interesting listening to you tell that story, especially the horse that couldn't be caught because I did this Surefoot workshop in Colorado and um, Amy Lassat, who I'm going to have on Friday as my guest, Um, She brought two horses to the workshop specifically because one came back to her. It's a horse that she bred and it's sold. She has a return policy and it came back and it couldn't be caught. It was out in the field. And the other one was a gated horse that came from, I think, West Virginia. Um, Very uneducated horse that could not be caught. And she managed to get both of them and she brought them to the clinic. And one was in a round pen loose and the other was in a square pen loose. And so I just started working with these horses with Surefoot I started with the mayor first, the Arab mayor and went in and and I had the pads and, you know, I would approach her and if she was interested, she'd stay. And if not, she'd walk away and I'd let her walk away. And I just spent, I don't know, 20 minutes and she stood on some pads, not a whole lot, you know, I mean, it was about 20 minutes. And then I went and I worked with the other one and stood on a pad. Well, the next morning she took them home. The next morning, the husband went out to catch the horses. He wasn't even at the clinic and they were I know that the little (laughs) gated horse was at the gate waiting and he could catch it. And all we did was surefoot. So, you know, this, this whole idea of horses recognizing that we're there to offer something to them instead of always taking, I think it's so huge. I think like you say, they know, they know the difference when when we come with an intention of exploration and not having an agenda
1: not having an agenda yeah just uh, it's a sense of cooperation a sense of what can we learn together yeah
0: and i remember learning the teamwork that that was one of the hardest things to, to understand that you know it would be like somebody would have a horse with some issue and we would just start to work from the beginning and we wouldn't necessarily target specific technique to the horse we just start from the beginning and it's the same thing with surefoot you just start with one pad and one foot you just start from the beginning but that's so hard for people because I get that you know people will email me well my horse has this and this and this what pad should I use and I'm like uh you know, <laughs> you got to start from the beginning right one pad and one okay. foot and and every horse is so different but it's 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 this and that's where I say that surefoot's so rooted in the Feldenkrais and the Tellington method because it's this idea of, of Just let's see what happens let's just See what the horse shows us, and in that way, that's what I mean is that the horses start showing me which they'll start picking up a foot for me, or one they won't. Right? So I'll go over and they'll give me one foot, and the other one they're like, "No, nope, I got to keep this one on the ground." And they're not being resistant; they're just saying, "Not that foot." <laughs>
1: yes. Well, and that's a good point. They're not being resistant because that's where the human mind tends to go. Oh, the horse is resistant; he's resisting me. Right, and. I think that's an opportunity with surefoot um, to, because it's a it's much simpler in the tellington method. We have so many possibilities. You just have these four, pad, lots of different possibility with the pads, but you bait you're focusing on that and and it's a really wonderful opportunity to have exploration time with your horse, yeah. and that that is the hardest to get across, I think. Yeah, treat trick. You know, clicker be good. Get to do it. Be you know, good. there's
0: like be good, you know, like uh, pick up your foot, honey, pick up your foot. And it's like, I don't care if the horse pick. but you know, we're so ingrained in that our horses have to be good for the for for everybody and not be a difficult child, right? Um and it's so hard at first for people to say, I, you know, like if he's, if he's ha- showing me bad behavior, that's just telling me something. It's just showing me there's a lack of balance somewhere in, in whether it's a mental or emotional, but if I address him through the feet, because the, the feet are huge proprioceptors. In fact, yesterday uh, I had the mounted archery talk and there was a quote from, oh, now I can't remember, but the horse has five hearts and it's an ancient, ancient quote. You know, I mean, each each foot, I have to, I'll get it out. Um, Each foot is considered a heart. And when you think about how important the foot is to, in terms of the blood flow, in terms of, you know, balance and stability. Oh, Genghis Khan. Thank you very much, Anna. Genghis Khan's quote. Yeah. Um, Back then they recognized how important the feet are.
1: That's a wow, isn't it? Yeah. Because, I mean, how, and so how do you do with that, Wendy? Because how, I mean, getting people to actually stop and hear what you just said.
0: You know, I I just keep saying it. And I think that's part of it is that I just keep saying it. And when I work with someone with their horse, I just point out, because so often we don't even know we have that habit, right? Yeah. So it's just a matter, how do you change a habit? Well, you first have to be conscious of it. I mean, Dr. Feldenkrais' work was making us conscious of the habits that we had so that we could, he said, you can't do what you want until you know what you do, right? That's one of his quotes that I always think about. And so when we start to discover, oh, I did that again, you know, we can't change it until we discover it. Like trying to start your car without your key, you know, your keys are in your hand, but you don't realize it. You can look all over.
1: So have you considered doing um, like uh, uh, short online questions like Robin has done now with the Tellington Method? Because just taking that and actually looking at it and having questions around it before you do anything else, that I mean, that's core to the work. And I think that's the hardest thing for people to do, to simply think, ah, explore, listen yeah. to the horse.
0: Well, we are going to be developing an online course. Um, we're actually we've got a bunch of ideas that are in the plant in the starting stages. Um, because we have so many people that want to become surefoot practitioners they want to be able to use this with their clients so because of the pandemic we haven't been having workshops and we're really hoping to get an online learning portion they'll never it'll never replace an in-person portion because you don't realize the habits you have until someone points them out um but we're certainly working on that hi
2: robin (laughs) hi i've been i've been here but I've been doing things. So I didn't want to have a blank space. You know, that's the thing. But one thing you can do, I think too, Wendy is have people video what they're doing. And then if they even look back on it themselves and do a little bit of a Oh, I could have done it like this, or this is what I'm seeing. From I think that could also be super beneficial for them. Yeah, we're
0: actually we're starting to do that, but we need to have a process set up so that I'm not inundated with a million videos. But we're in that process. Amen. Yeah. <laughs> so we need to have just a little script for people to follow, so that there's it's not two hours of, but. Um, but wow. we are working on that. I've got a really great team now, and there's been a a, um, a lot of changes happening with uh, Surefoot as and as a company. Um, we uh, ex- we've got now people helping me, which I really needed. Um, and there's a lot of a lot of stuff coming down. I don't want to tell everybody about everything and, because it's going to take a little time. And so just know that there are things coming down the pike. Robin's
1: laughing. <laughs> Exciting. <laughs> Exciting! Fantastic. Yeah. Um, yep.
0: So, um, Linda, before we're we're almost at the end of the hour, but I wanted to let everybody know that that for anybody watching this webinar, we've created a little special for them, and um, I'm going to put it in the chat. We've created a link that if you use the link and then use the code, um, let's see, that's the code. Make sure that the link's there. Hang on, I'll just go, go back and grab the link again. Um, you'll get a little bit of a discount on any sure Pad purchases you make. So we just wanted to offer that to everybody that was watching this webinar. And let me get back up here, here we go. Doo, doo, doo. Let's see if that worked. Yep, so you click on the link first, the, the murdockmethod.com Link and then as you're checking out if you put in the code, which is t touch two for you You'll get two percent off your purchases Uh of anything in the shop and that's just a little special for our hundredth webinar and for uh linda for um to everyone that you have Influenced uh, um the influence that you've had on my life is just absolutely huge and um, and like I said, it's it so the accident I had in 1984 was October third at seven thirty in the morning when a horse reared over and rolled over me and punched my femur through the hip socket, and it was a year later plus a day that I met Linda, which showed me that there was another way, and so the second time my life was changed was the fifteen seconds when I timed the horse on the first surefoot pad in May of two thousand and twelve, and they were both during Saturn return in my life, which Linda knows
1: Interesting, Linda, yeah. because that. <laughs> why in the training, that eight-day training in uh, at Joder Arabian Ranch, when that horse just started to rear with you a little, where somebody took your foot back, do you yes. remember that? Oh, absolutely. <laughs> and I remember standing across the arena, I said, don't, I thought stop that, because they took your leg back, and it, I mean my heart, my heart just stopped, because I had no idea what had happened to you, but I knew that wasn't okay. And you remember what happened. Oh,
0: I remember. But you know you know what's so interesting, Linda, is, is it's only taken, what, 30, how many years, 36 years, to understand what happened there. And now the more I know about vagal nerve and that the body has to move to let go of the trauma, I, it so helps me understand what happened then. We just didn't have the information. And so it really helps me relate to um, when with people with, with trauma and that we, ha- we have to go through the movement of letting it out. You know, and we see that in horses. Well,
1: yes. And I mean, it, what happened is you went into shock and everybody said, take you to emergency. And I just said, no, just stay here. and were Yeah you know, we were fine after a while. Yeah, And that's, that's the thing. And, and what for me, Wendy, what I'm, you know, we, for years, it was known as a teamwork. First, when Robin and I, when I first came up with this idea and Robin and I were talking back and forth, it was Chellington um, um, uh, um, equine awareness movements. Yeah. That's before the T-Touch came in. And then we brought in T-Touch and then it was T-T, E-A-M, you know, Tellington, T-Touch, Every Animal Method, or Equine Awareness Method. And we changed it to the Tellington Method. I can't remember. My publisher suggested it many years ago after my, I don't know, 10th book or something. Because you you can't, um, you know, you, you can't brand the word team team and that's nice. when it went to the Tellington method and today I I just love this zoom and I'm, I'm so appreciative that Robin has brought this work now that you can go online and choose to go into the work just get your toe into it or or go Robin into do you want to tell us
0: a little bit about what's available for people that want to learn more about team? I, <laughs> I still
2: call it team sorry it's a habit. <laughs> <laughs> no, right right now it's still mostly the the dogs. I'm just working on on individual modules, but as you know, it takes some time to get all the things tweaked that you're that you're doing. So if you you can't really get very much with horses right now. Well, there's really nothing right now with horses. So um it's all lots of things with dogs, but they will be coming. Right.
1: I <laughs> but <And Yeah, sorry. laughs> I've, I've been doing it, I just and I, I just love this program that Robin is doing. And I've been coaching people on Zoom with their horses. And it's oh, cool. really interesting to do it. Yeah, I love it. And I've been, for two years now, I've been teaching on Zoom with T-Touch For You for self-help. And it's been what I know today and why you can disappear pain or fear, you know, in yourself with this work and what's behind these one and a quarter circles, which we now know is actually a spiral. Have been the this golden ratio that's in all of nature
0: the Fibonacci and, spiral yeah,
1: yeah. And, and recognizing that every cell in our body knows its function in the body i learned that in after my first feldenkrais year because one of the one of the books that moshe feldenkrais recommended that we read was a book called man on his nature by sir charles sherrington and he was a nobel prize recipient and when I have read his statement in the second chapter, his concept that every cell knows its function in the body. And I remember sitting there, I was in Marvin Pick restaurant in Stuttgart, Germany, in a cold winter day. And I remember looking at my fingers and saying, wait a minute, when I don't yet know how to do these amazing miracles that can be done with Feldenkrais work that we'd seen Moshe do the summer before. All I have to do is just say "cells." just remind this being, whether it's a horse, a dog, a human, or yourself, of the potential for ideal function at the cellular level. And that's what cellular wisdom is. And that's how I got connected back in the Feldenkrais community because I rejoined the guild after all these years. And um, yeah, it's really bringing this awareness that we are a collection of approximately a hundred trillion cells and every cell in the body knows its function in the body and that these one and a quarter circles, which is really this gold this amazing spiral in all of nature, is like a connector to that amazing cellular wisdom, which is the interconnection of our creativity. It's a create it's connection to the creative, the creator of all it is. And I'm telling you, when we do this every Tuesday. I have Tuesday Live with Linda and for as many hours as people want to keep working and asking questions we work on self-help and it's been been for me like a miracle. So we have one
0: question Linda and and I think it's a good time to ask because the the person's asking have you changed your idea since you began writing?
1: Uh, Have I changed my idea? Basically my my this concept that we can connect with this cellular intelligence, that's been I've been on this track since um 1976 on that day. That's the track I've been on, looking for how to understand because we know with these circular t touches we can release re- reduce or release pain or fear. in in animals and people in ourselves. And I wanted to know what was behind it. And what's changed is my understanding of this merging of science and spirituality that is now, so many scientists understand, cellular wisdom is a big thing now. When I started talking about cellular intelligence, it's, oh, come on, Linda, nobody talked about cells because it was before AIDS. And AIDS actually really brought cells and cellular intelligence cells you know, to the forefront and now ah, I'm sitting here in a very different position because I recognize that when we look at our horses or we look at our dogs or we look at ourselves we're all walking miracles and when we get that and we see the miracles in this one and a quarter circle and, all, and the connector that Robin has made like this connector leash that stops leash pulling like that's a miracle. And seeing what you do, with Wendy, seeing the magic and the miracles of the Surefoot Pads, takes our level, our, our lives, to another level. Coming from a place of gratitude. That's how I've changed. I just, I understand now what's behind it in a whole different way. Interesting. Uh,
2: so, can I just ask? So, somebody's asking how they can get it in, te- like, find out about the Cellular Wisdom Course. Is it on your website?
1: I don't even know. If you go to a T Touch for You online, God, I have to put it in here. See if, if, if you can find it. Yeah. Um, if, Just put
0: T Touch for You to start.
1: <laughs> no, it's It's you, you can go to the website. It's T Touch for You online. Okay.
2: So I, can I just add one thing about online courses? What I have been, uh, what I'm, I, I think the easiest first one that we could do is I'm encouraging Linda to uh, to to do a course on understanding and influencing your horse's personality based on the book that's now out of print. But I, I have all of the information. I just need to get her pinned down and do do the the webinar and then people can do an online where they can learn to evaluate and get information about evaluating their own horses and what you can do to help influence that type of horse. If there's a, if there's some issues it can based on posture, uh, all sorts of things.
0: So there's, there's um, just a wealth of information in your books, in your videos and your online courses. And, you know, you've been, Uh, out there creating for for so many years but you know it's so fabulous that you like Dr. Feldenkrais were so ahead of your time 30-40 years ago and we're finally now able to see that there's science behind it there's understanding behind it and you're getting all the validation that's for so many years you know people would think, what is this cellular stuff? But the validation is coming. And it's the same thing for Surefoot right now, because I always get that question of, "You know, well, how does Surefoot work? And honestly, we, we don't know exactly, but we're gathering information that helps us understand through the understanding of the proprioceptors in the foot and the vagal nerve connection and, and the hyoid and all these parts that are starting to form. But you know what's so amazing is it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how, how it <laughs> nice. works. It just works. And I think that's yeah. what's really important. It's just do the work.
1: Well, it's true. And I want to thank my sister Robin Hood sitting here here because all starting in nineteen, you know, seventy-eight, she said, Yeah, we gotta it's gotta be logical because all this stuff was coming intuitively to me. And we have it it is all logical. That's one of the beauties of learning this work, is that it's actually you know can learn it in a logical fashion and then apply it intuitively and wendy i'm so thrilled to be on your hundredth
0: been great (laughs) i was saving you for for something special because you know i mean it's i just had no idea it would be the 100th webinar but um it's been such a pleasure to have you and to have known you for all these years and robin same thing because uh, we met in 1986, not long after I met Linda, um, and it's just been—it's just a pleasure. And I know this is kind of a love fest, but <laughs> um, the the people in our lives that so influence our lives, and um, and you know we. I I know that I have no idea how many people I've influenced, and you have no idea how many people you and Robin have influenced. Um, And once in a while, I'll have somebody send me an email and say, I had a lesson with you 30 years ago, and it changed the way I wrote or the way I thought. And so, you know, it's just putting out the good work and uh, letting it go out into the universe.
1: And if we can can send um you know, send uh, the website, if they're interested in joining and looking at this uh, T-Touch for You online for self-help, it's life-changing also for oneself. Yeah, we
0: can put it up in the, um, yeah. we'll put it up in the comments on the live feed, and I can put it up in the yes. c- comments on the, uh, when I post this on, on uh, YouTube. So I c- we
1: can get Wait, it I'll send you the I'll send, I'll put in the right, I know the, the right connection, the right okay. website. Awesome.
0: Well, thank you so much. It's been such a pleasure. And Robin, glad you you joined in here and um, stay tuned. So tomorrow my guest is Jillian Kreinbring and we're going to talk about the atlantooccipital joint and how that's all connected to well-being and understanding the anatomy of it. So I'm really looking forward to that. And um, just everybody have a great day. It's been such a pleasure to have everybody with us. And thank you again, Linda and Robin. Stay well. (laughs)
1: Hi. <laughs>